A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those, I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thank you very much as always for being here. It is an interlull Arscast. It is also the last interlull of this particular season. After that, it's wham, bam, and thank you, ma'am, into the final 10 games of the season. Other clubs may have more, but frankly, that is none of our business. It's nothing to do with us if they have to play more games in the FA Cup or play more games in Europe and travel and have to deal with things like tiredness from traveling and hanging around airports and fatigue and injuries and aches and strains and niggles and the difficulties that come with challenging in three competitions. You know, that's it's nothing to do with us. All we can do is concentrate on the games that we have left. And there's going to be some discussion of those games in a second now because we're just going to get on with this podcast. It is a very quiet week. Not much happening uh, beyond the fact that everybody is sitting around hoping and praying that all of our players come back from international duty, fit, healthy, unscathed, and ready to go. So let's just crack on with this week's show. And I'm delighted to welcome back from The Athletic. It's Art de Roche. Hi, Art. Hi, Andrew. I hope you're doing well. And once again, <laughs> I hope the listeners are doing well. <laughs> I'm sure they are. Uh, all the better for hearing you. Um, how, how are you feeling now? This uh, We're recording on a Thursday afternoon. We're in the middle of an interlull. Arsenal are eight points clear at the top of the table. There's 10 games to go. How are you personally dealing with the the balance between the fear of international duty injuries and the excitement to come and the potential prize at the end of it. How are you, what are your coping mechanisms for staying zen and calm? <laughs> um, in terms of how I'm feeling, I'm quite calm at the minute. Um, obviously, not much is going on, so there's not much to stress about. Yeah. And I think um, for me, I guess once we get into the thick of it, my kind of coping mechanism, I'm not sure if it's healthy, is just detachment, <laughs> emotionally, <laughs> emotionally detaching from everything. Um, but in terms of like actual stuff I do to kind of get away from football, uh, I like to play video games quite a bit. So, so that's been taking up a bit of time as well. Oh yeah, you're a you're a streamer guy, right? I see you. <laughs> yeah, I I was streaming uh, some Hogwarts Legacy. Hopefully, hopefully there's some fans of that. Um, so yeah, I've been big into that, and luckily the story is quite um, entertaining. All right, well. 
So after this podcast, people can find you on Twitch or, or wherever it is. And <laughs> Potentially, yeah. yeah. They, can get, they can get a bit more art. Um, look, it is an interlull. It is quiet. And for that reason, I have solicited some questions from our Discord, uh, our Patreon members on Discord. So we'll do a few of these questions and, and see what we can get through. And given that it is the international break, uh, Gabriel or Gabrielle, I don't know. See, if he's English, he's probably a Gabriel. <laughs> if he's Brazilian, he's a Gabriel. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to deal with it. Either or, anyway, um, G-Man would like to know your opinion on the suspicious injuries to Rashford and Holland. <laughs> My opinion is um, that they will be available on April 1st. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, yeah, we've seen over the years, we've gotten used to it, I feel, mm. uh, in terms of players from uh, clubs who are fighting for something, uh, picking up magic knocks around mm. um, international breaks. Uh, maybe that's something Arsenal players should be doing a bit more. <laughs> uh, who knows? But uh, yeah, I, I reckon they'll be fine um, once the Premier League kicks back off. I think so. I mean, the Holland one was, you know, he went initially, I think he went away with Norway and they apparently highlighted a groin injury um which you know couldn't have been a surprise before he went rashford didn't didn't even go in the first place i mean how do you find the balance with that you know the way Mikel arteta talks about his players and their need to be able to perform at a high level every 3 or 4 days and and the reality is when you have good players when you've got a team that's good enough to be challenging for the premier league title chances are you've got a lot of players who are good enough to be playing for their countries so Part and parcel of that is is them being able to deal with the dual challenge of domestic football or and European football, all of that, what they've got to do for their club, but also what they've got to do for their countries. Yeah, I, I do get the the point, and Mikel Arteta does bring it up quite a lot in terms of, I think Bakayo Saka is the main one where he mentioned if he wants to be at the top level, he's got to be playing 70 games a season. And I do get that, but there's also a part of me that is, I guess, maybe scarred from following Arsenal for however long uh, with, I guess, just burnout, mm. um, really, because we've seen it with players. Obviously, Jack Wilshere is the main one people think about, but there, there are examples that go beyond that. And um, for me, I just think you need to kind of strike the right balance. Um, I was quite happy to see that uh, Saka was able to get a little bit of a rest in the second leg against Sporting. Mm. Obviously, he had to come on because of the circumstance of the game. Um, but that's also um, a quality kind of thing mm. where you look at other squads like Manchester City, they're just their depth is ridiculous really so um you see that they don't have to do what arsenal mm -hmm. Arteta has done in terms of naming very similar or the same starting 11 for the majority of the season and of course there's going to be uh benefits to uh both kind of approaches mm -hmm. with arsenal the benefits are the players really get into a, a groove and a rhythm and an understanding of what is required from each other and even though maybe we can see what they are, um, opposition teams are still having problems uh, kind of uh, getting to grips with that. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I think, yeah, as time goes on, you're, you're going to want to get to a place where you can, I guess, if needed, chop and change a little bit to be a little bit more unpredictable as well. Like we've seen... Um, with, I guess, the Trossard-Martinelli relationship, how that's blossomed. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I do, I guess, take the point in terms of being able to have to play every three days, but also I would like a little, a little bit of balance uh, if... I was living in an ideal world. Sure. Uh, we never will, unfortunately, live in an <laughs> ideal world, Art. But, you know, we can get as close as, as we can. Just you mentioned Tross out there and, and Martinelli. We had an interesting question here from Batty Goals Machine Gun, who said, <laughs> there's been a lot of talk about the partnerships and understandings built up within this squad by players just playing together a lot over the course of a season. So while it's good when we have all our players available, it also means that when we rotate some common combinations don't seem to work. For example, 
when Eddie Enkedia comes in for Jesus, it seems to affect Martinelli. When Tommy Asu comes in for Ben White, we're slightly less effective down the right-hand side. Do you think Arteta needs to work on finding a way to get the players to adjust, or is the only way around it to make more changes? For example, when Jesus and Trossard are rested uh, or unavailable, Martinelli might sit out, and uh, Smith Rowe and Eddie Nketia can come in. Uh, he said, I might be wrong, but I seem to recall this combination working well last season when Nketia broke through, rather than have Nketia and Martinelli on at the same time. So the perception is that without Gabriel Jesus, without a player of that type, and I think Trossard is is a bit more Gabriel Jesus than he is Eddie Nketiah. It has an impact on on Gabriel Martinelli, who's obviously come back into form since Trossard has come back into the team. Um, I don't think it's quite as cut and dried as that, but I do think it's an interesting question. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I remember, I think it was before the first leg against Sporting, I asked Arteta basically, are the relationships across the pitch something he has to take into account when Mm. he is rotating? And he said it is something that they have to consider. And I think with the point around, I guess, more changes, it is quite interesting because um, if you look at, say, Smith-Rowe, you would have assumed he'd just slot straight into the Europa League team. But Mm. I guess it does come down to who does he play best with mm-hmm. as well as just needing minutes. So, um, yeah, I think it is one where the balance again, and I know that's a word I used earlier, but it needs to be right where you don't make wholesale changes because we know that Arteta is never going to do that. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the changes you make need to be the right ones in the right areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so with, Trossard and Martinelli, it works seamlessly. Um, would it work as seamlessly with Smith Rowe? I believe it would, just because Smith Rowe's a really good player, and I think he could have a really good rapport on the pitch with uh, Trossard, but also uh, Arteta at different points in the season. If we're talking about Smith Rowe, has spoken about the relationship he has with. Um, Fabio Vieira, and then also vice versa, the relationship Fabio Vieira has with Martinelli. Yeah. They're just not things we've been able to see in practice yet um, for long stretches. And I think that's another thing where if you want to see those more regularly, mm-hmm. they probably would have had to be put into place earlier in the season, but they couldn't be because of certain things such as injuries and um, other players need a minutes as well. So it is one of those areas of discussion which can be quite difficult to navigate at times um but yeah overall you i guess just need that time to get used to it Mm. i mean the the i completely get that martinelli works better with a player like jesus or trossard but i also think it's it's not necessarily true just to say he doesn't work at all with with Eddie and Kedia because when Eddie came mm. into the team after the World Cup, we won a lot of games. And then we did go through that little sticky period, of course, where we lost to City, lost to Everton, uh, lost to Man City again, drew with Brentford. But, you know, it might just be that that is a period of form that pretty much any team is going to go through. So to, I don't know that anyone's blaming uh, the fact that it's Eddie and Ketty and Gabriel Martinelli together, but it does seem that it's a bit, bit of a stretch, if you like to say that it, it is because it is because of that. I think we have improved. I think Trossard has given us something. When you look at what he's done since he's come into the team, the contributions, the creativity, the movement, they are different from Eddie, but you know, it, it's, it's not just one-way traffic in that sense. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And I think also you mentioned the form there. I remember at the time it just seemed more than anything that Martinelli looked tired as well. There mm. were the games against Manchester United um, and Everton away. He just didn't seem like himself really. Mm. Um, and that's not a slight at him. It just was what I kind of saw. and I don't know if other people agree. Um, but he just seemed a bit more laboured than usual, Mm -hmm. whereas he comes back into the team after being benched at Aston Villa and he looks like his old self again. So maybe sometimes it's also about the timing of these um, changes as well, because if you think back to just before 
um, that little slump, as you mentioned, against, um, I think it was West Ham and Brighton just mm. before the new year. I don't think many people would have argued that 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 situation didn't work. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it is quite a, an interesting um, topic when talking about the team. All right. Here is a question from, uh, okay, it comes from Greenkeeper JHB, who says, hello, Andrew, and guest. He didn't know it was going to be you. I'm sure he would have <laughs> said art if he did. He said, what is your biggest surprise about this season? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, I mean, can I take you can, host you, privilege here and go first? Yeah, yeah, you can go first. I mean, the fact that we're eight points clear at the top of the table with 10 <laughs> games to go, I think is a surprise. Like I was, you know, end of last season was disappointing, but I was encouraged. I could see progression. I could see how we might develop. You know, when you start to get linked to players like Jesus and Zinchenko, you're like, okay, I, I can see where we're going. And I think we'll be better this season than last season, but not to the extent that we have been. So the simple fact that we are where we are is, for me, yeah. maybe the biggest surprise of this season. Yeah. Um, to be a bit different, I might say the bounce-back ability. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, last season, there was only one game, and it was Wolves at home when Arsenal conceded first and came back to win mm -hmm. every other time that happened they lost um and for me going into this season uh i remember there was a piece i did where basically the trends that couldn't kind of run into this season if arsenal wanted to make top four mm. that was the discussion and um basically the conclusion was they had to respond better to adversity. And I think they've done that really well this season. There was obviously disappointment at Old Trafford early in the year mm -hmm. um, and against Manchester City at home and Everton away. But those are just three games. You can count it on your hand. Mm -hmm. Other than that, there's been games early in the season uh, against uh, Fulham, for example, at home where they go behind and they're able to win. Um, and, there's just been moments where they've responded really well. And that's probably been the biggest surprise um, just because of how quickly that's turned around. Um, how at the back end of last season against Newcastle, um, again, that was a massive scar I think, yeah. on the team um, in terms of just how the game panned out. And they just seem a lot more mature in how they deal with those situations this season. I'd agree. I mean, the West Ham game, when we just came back from the World Cup and we went to goal down, it was a penalty, I think, um, and came back to win the game 3-1. And I think, you know, it's it's a really interesting uh, observation because you see it in games as well. You know, the Saliba own goal, was it against Leicester? Yes. And yeah. the immediate response. And there have been two or three of those where there has been an immediate response. And I think even going back uh, not too far um, to the Manchester City defeat where mm. I had completely forgotten. I don't know why, but I had forgotten that with that win, Manchester City went top of the table. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of talk about how, well, that's it now for Arsenal. <laughs> they've been caught. They've been reeled in. The pressure has got to them a bit. City will do what City do. And chances are they're going to go on and, and win it from here. What is Arsenal's response? It's to score four against Villa, four against Everton, four against Crystal Palace, beat Fulham, beat Leicester, um, beat Bournemouth in extraordinary circumstances to win six games in a row. That's your bounce back ability right there, eh? Definitely. And I think one other thing that comes into it as well is the whole... I guess, viewpoint of the outsider. Um, mm. Because at the start of the season, a lot of the talk was Arsenal have only played so-and-so. At first, it was Crystal Palace because sure. that was the opening day. But I don't feel like people understood the context behind Arsenal away at Crystal Palace for the past five years or so. Yeah, exactly. It's been a, a terrible place <laughs> for them to go. And even that night, it was the first day of the season, but yeah. it it was comfortable, a lot more comfortable than it usually is for them to go to Selhurst Park. And that felt like um, 
not a box ticked, but it was a different side to them already mm. that early. And I think that's another reason why, um, in terms of just the wider Premier League footballing audience or community, that's probably why people weren't really taking Arsenal seriously early on because they didn't understand what was happening uh, because they didn't really have the historical context around certain mm. um, matches and grounds sure. like Palace away um, and like Liverpool even at home. I mm. think that was a big game mentally. Um, so yeah, these little moments where you can see the resolve, I think, of the team uh, in good and bad moments have been really key. And as you say, going and scoring at least three goals in the last, um, I think in like five of the last six games um, has been immense yeah. as well. Yeah, uh, that's true, actually. Yeah. The only one we didn't was the 1-0 win against Leicester, and that was a lot more comfortable than that that scoreline mm. suggested. Um, Double Ent Andre uh, says, which game made you realize this could be a special season? <laughs> I know I mentioned the Palace game, but I'll try and go with a different one. Yeah, first game um, of the season's a bit early for that yeah, conclusion, I think. Um, special, <laughs> special. Chelsea away. Right. I think. Okay. It was a battering despite being 1 0. Mm -hmm. Arsenal just looked, they were the only team really in that game from start to finish. I know Chelsea had moments, but it was one of those where um, if I could look at the, the best of Arsenal this season, it's when they've been able to kill games and kill opposition fan noise mm. um and i think that one really stands out as a moment where if you're a neutral you might have been a bit bored in the second <laughs> half <laughs> yeah. um and i'm glad that um we've kind of got back to that against fulham and crystal palace because there was a moment like the the villa game uh bournemouth as well where games were getting a bit too emotional sure um and yeah i think um that theme of just being able to kind of put your foot on someone's neck and just keep it there. Um, that's what I've liked uh, most about Arsenal this season. So I'll go for Chelsea because it was the first kind of moment of that, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was um, 17 shots away from home. It was the game of, of the two centre forwards, wasn't it? Because Aubameyang had started and we naturally we have the, oh God, here comes the ex-player to stick <laughs> the knife in our wounds again. I think he, he was substituted having had seven touches. It was also the game where I think Gabriel Jesus's uh, influence on this Arsenal team was really, really apparent. I think he had something like 68 touches of the ball to Aubameyang. too. Yeah, you know, just, just an amazing. I'm going to sort of cheat a little bit and, and mention two games because I think the first North London derby, yeah. it was a big game. Tottenham having beaten us to top four last season, uh, you know, they came, they were vanquished. I know they were down to 10 men, but Antonio Conte, like basically, if he could have, he would have waved the white flag halfway <laughs> through that first half because he he made like a quadruple change, if I remember. Yeah. Took four players off, including Son and maybe Richarlison. I can't remember. Um, but that was a message to them about you know the shifting of landscapes. But following that, of course, was the the game against Liverpool, and I just think that when we when we try and track the development of this side, I think there are obviously psychological barriers that you have to go through as as a team to mm. to develop and to make progress and Liverpool have had this record over Arsenal in the last number of years that you know has not been fun to watch really at any point and i think just beating them at home was a big moment for the team for its belief and you know not everybody who's been in that team has got the, the the scars of Liverpool that have been inflicted upon us over the years but I just think that one was was really big for for what it made the team think they could do because yeah although Liverpool you know we, we we've come to realize are not having their greatest season you know they still came into this game as the team that could potentially have won all four trophies available to them last season and they came really, really close. 
Yeah, I I think Liverpool is also in my head. I guess Chelsea was more of a footballing one, and then yeah,、mm. in terms of mentally, Liverpool might be the one in terms of that because, as you say, there are a lot of <laughs> memories that aren't very nice、mm. uh, that surround <laughs> them, and also the manner of the game being pegged back twice、um, and still being able to respond、um, in a way. Which gave you belief because、mm-hmm. again that's the second half. You think of that second half; it was total domination.、Um, and okay, maybe、uh, there's a bit of luck with a penalty coming to to、um, for the third goal. But overall,、mm. Arsenal were the only team really attacking in that second half. And I think、um, going forward, yeah, what it says you can do.、Uh, I guess when you when you punch through. That glass ceiling that's been there for ages,、mm. um, and it just almost tells you there's more to come, basically. Yeah, and that's another one where you mentioned, yeah, Liverpool weren't having the best season and still aren't.、Um, so, fan opposition fans may have been, oh, it's not the real Liverpool, but I don't think the players <laughs> would have <laughs> felt、no. that way at all. No.、Um, so yeah, I think that that was another massive one too. All right. Just sort of continuing on that theme,、uh, Master Johnbury says we're all rightly caught up in this season's title race. But how do you feel about the team's prospects going forward? Is this our one and only chance of a title charge, given the money elsewhere in the Premier League, or is it simply the first season of our dynasty of success? <laughs> oh, wow.、Um, it's weird because. The one,、um, I guess, player or example that has made me kind of realise this a bit stupid to think too far ahead is Zinchenko,、um, because when he came in, everyone knew he was an excellent player,、mm. but I don't feel like anyone could predict how he'd basically revolutionise. Arsenal on the pitch and off the pitch in certain manners,、um, but we've seen Gabriel Jesus has elevated that front line because he can do so much. But with、uh, Zinchenko, he's completely transformed the way Arsenal play in their, I guess, first two thirds of the pitch、mm. to the point where it's a completely unrecognisable squad from this time twelve months ago.、Um, So, in a kind of roundabout way to answer that question, I, the way I'm looking at it is, I don't know where this team can go, and I'm happy about that because I couldn't foresee what would happen with Zinchenko coming in, and if I can't foresee what happens further down the line, I'm cool with that.、Um, I just hope that they're able to, obviously. Um, I guess stamp their authority on this season, the rest of this season,、mm. and then also off the back of that, there is some unforeseeable growth.、Um, so yeah, that's kind of the way I'm looking at things at the minute, and I hope that's an okay answer. Yeah,、um, because yeah, I can't really put my finger on it at the minute. I I know what you mean. I do know what you mean, and there's sort of like sliding doors moments in the、yeah. history of a club, or the history of a season, or the history of you know even a player. And you mentioned Zinchenko, and we know, we know that Mikel Arteta and and the club were pursuing Lisandro Martinez. Yes. The question I'd love to know, or I'd love to ask, is like, is is the Zinchenko role what you had earmarked for Lisandro Martinez? Genuinely,、no. I would love to. Well, the thing is, there was an interview with Granit Xhaka a few weeks back, where he talked about how Mikel Arteta said to him, "I need you to be further up the pitch. I need you、mm-hmm. to make more contributions in the in the the opposition half. I need you to score more goals. You know, this is what I want from you." And the inference was, if you can't do it, or if you're not willing to do it, I'll get somebody else to do it. Yeah. But I think you have to acknowledge that, in order to facilitate Granit Xhaka to be in that position, you also need 
a Zinchenko, if, for want of a better word, right? Somebody mm-hmm. else who plays in the area where Xhaka usually played, but you don't need him there anymore, so you get him further forward, and then you get those contributions from him. Um, yeah. Like, what what would have happened? Was this the plan? What would have happened if we'd signed Lissandro Martinez? I mean, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he could have come in and played in that left-back position because he did play a bit in... in uh, in midfield before. Uh, do yeah. you think that was the case or was it a case that like, okay, well, we can't get Martinez. I don't think Arsenal were after Martinez to play him as a as a center half. I just don't believe yeah. that for a second. I do think they wanted him as a left back and the left back in the system, like I don't think he's uh, or was looked at as a kind of Kieran Tierney, if that yeah. makes sense. You're more traditional fullback. So it's so fascinating to think about how it could have been different um, you know, let's say without the relationship with Eric Ten Hag, maybe yeah, uh, Arsenal would have been a more attractive destination for him. Yeah, I, I think um, it would be like maybe uh, just not to the extent that Zinchenko has been able to do it. I think sometimes he would have come into those areas, mm. um, but it wouldn't have been as constant as Zinchenko and We've seen, obviously, uh, with Zinchenko, sometimes he's playing in the right half space where Erdegaard was popping up last season. Mm. And um, for me, that conversation between, I guess, Xhaka and Arteta that you mentioned is really interesting because he started to use him a bit further forward to the back end of last season. Mm. And again, this is another thing. People who don't watch Arsenal every week didn't realise that. They just thought it was a random explosion of form from Xhaka at the start of this year, but the groundwork had already been done Absolutely, for yeah. two yeah. or three months at the back end of last year. So you could kind of see the thinking was already there to have someone, I guess, drift into that space that Xhaka used to occupy. Um, mm. And I guess Martinez could have done that because at Ajax, um, I believe it was the 1920 season, he spent most of that year in midfield. Mm. Um but yeah, as I said earlier, I just don't think he would have done it uh, as frequently as Zinchenko. Um, and maybe it would have just been uh, a top four challenge. Mm. Um, whereas Zinchenko, with everything that he's brought alongside Jesus as well, obviously, um, I think that has been able to kind of elevate Arsenal a couple of gears yeah. um, further than even they thought they would be at. I, I think Zinchenko technically is on a different level than than Martinez. No question about it. Do you see the um, the the <laughs> yeah. control video during the week? Yes, I, I mean see <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Quite what he does on that third one, um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure, but it's just ridiculous. And I think his technique is is just outstanding. Um, just to sort of finish up on that question about whether this is the start of a dynasty or the start of, or a one-off chance. I mean, I, I obviously can't say I'd love to be able to predict the future, but I tell you, I feel quite confident that this is a team that is being set up and has been created to set up to compete over a number of seasons, not just yes. one season. And I thought it was fascinating to hear Arteta talk about how we are in phase three of his five phases. <laughs> Get me to phase five, baby. I, I need to see what that's <laughs> I need to see what that's happening or what's happening in that regard because um you know the progress I think is is uh, unquestionable. All right, here is one from Haney992 said, what do you make of Arsenal sending physio Simon Murphy out to Ghana with Thomas Partey? <laughs> I mean, should we be, should, is this sensible? Uh, uh, should we be really worried that maybe he's carrying something that they need to keep such a close eye on? You know, how do you view it? Yeah, it's strange. Um, I feel like it just kind of hammers down the importance of the next 10 games, really. Mm. Um, we saw, obviously, he played right back um, towards the end of um, the Crystal Palace game. Mm. Um, and I guess it just hammers down needing as many regulars, first-team regulars, who are comfortable on the ball, on the pitch at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I my kind of reading on it is just kind of a precautionary thing to make sure things don't go uh go wrong um and just to make sure that everything is smooth uh for when he comes back it is you know uh, unconventional it has to be said and you know uh, national teams maybe it it suggests that there's quite a, a an open conversation an open link between um, you know, the Arsenal manager and coaching staff and, and the Ghana manager, who is former Tottenham player Chris Hutton, by the way, uh, not to put some conspiracies in, in anybody's <laughs> head, but I think you have to have a, a reasonably good working relationship for a club to be able to send one of their staff with, you know, a national team's star player, right? Definitely. Um, I feel like, I guess, communication and understanding around fitness Mm. is something that uh has needed work um over the past few years and you can see that um especially with the the way arsenal have dealt with returning players that has improved um Mm. if we rewind about two just over two years ago and remember Mikel Arteta pushing Thomas Partey back on the pitch against Tottenham (laughs) and then him getting re-injured um quite soon afterwards uh i think we're a long way away from that whereas Mm. you look at how gabriel jesus was managed coming back in making sure he wasn't rushed back um and uh takira tomiyasu as well obviously he's had a, a few injuries uh and the last one came from a kind of freak angle that he got put into Mm. on the pitch um but uh, I think we're kind of at a place now where hopefully um, just things are being managed the right ways and it's a continuation of that, hopefully. We, or you rather, touched on it very briefly there about Partey playing a right back. This isn't anyone's question, but the discussion about what we might do at right back should we need to play anyone other than Ben White there is is quite a... a it's a discussion that a lot of people are having, I should say. Mm-hmm. So um, do you have any thoughts on that particular situation, on how you might deal with that as a as a challenge? Mikel Arteta talks about injuries and absences as challenges that you have to go through in a season. Um, what's your $64,000 idea on that <laughs> one? <laughs> I think the, the plan B is probably what we saw against Crystal Palace um, in terms of Partey dropping in there for the rest of the game. Um, if White was to, I guess, maybe move in field or um, not play a game, that might be uh, what I'd assume mm-hmm. would happen. Obviously, Royal Waters was on the bench um, against Crystal Palace. And I think the the big thing is just uh, getting him ready in case he's needed. Mm. Um, being on the bench there, away at Sporting as well, uh, he was on the bench and around... Um, I guess the situation. So um, it's just more because we remember last season, there was big stretches where say Omari Hutchinson, uh, Mika Biroff, Salah um, were on the bench for large stretches of the second half of the Mm. year, but they didn't actually come on and make their debut. So it's just a think about being ready um, for if you're needed. Um, If. If. (laughs) If. Yeah, if and if Waters is needed, um, I think he's shown like throughout his academy career at Arsenal, he is quite dependable. Uh, for the 18s in the Youth Cup, he obviously plays more regularly for the 21s, mm. but he's been used as a left-sided centre-back um, in the Youth Cup run um, because they trust him to do that. Uh, he was also the only academy player that got taken to... America in preseason mm. and played left back against Everton and did quite well there to be fair. Um, so it's another player who's very versatile, uh, has a good skill set, and if needed, obviously it's going to be <laughs> a big thing if he is needed, but sure. um, I, I don't think Arteta would jump to him straight away just because mm. of what we've learned <laughs> from Arteta over the past three years. We know that he likes to kind of keep his senior players in as much as possible. So, yeah. yeah. 
Jim Jim says, goodly morning. Is the upcoming match against City the biggest Arsenal game since the Champions League final in 2006? Ooh. I'm struggling to think of any game that matches the stakes of that one and which will almost certainly be the death of a good portion of the fan base, <laughs> which clearly I hope uh, doesn't happen. I hope everyone survives, uh, primarily because you've got the right result, but also, you know, it's... It's just football, I guess. But <laughs> it is a matter of life and death. We know that. Yeah, I'd probably agree. Uh, I was trying to rack my brains as you were going through that question, and I can't really think of one as big. I remember watching the Champions League final, um, and that was the first game that made me cry. <laughs> um, I don't think you're alone there. No. I saw a lot of tears that night yeah. in Paris, that's um, for sure. And that's another one. When we talk about sliding doors moments, um, that is a big one. Mm. Like, I had a... I still struggle to think about Manuel Almunia because there are, there are things that happen happened that night which could have halted a lot of progress for those early Emirates years. You mm. never know how things could have went if Arsenal went into a new stadium off the back of winning the Champions League. Yeah. It's that unforeseeable future where if 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 you have an inch a certain way, mm -hmm. things can be completely different. Yeah. Um if they and had VAR, insane. he would have been offside, wasn't he? Belletti, <laughs> I think it was Belletti who was offside. Uh, yeah, and it's just insane to think about. Mm. Um, and it's probably not a good thing to think about it too much, if I'm being <laughs> honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it probably is the biggest game since that day. Hopefully the result goes uh, the way we want it to. Yeah, I mean... I'm I'm really in one game at a time territory. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, and I, I, if I wanted to, I could have said that as well. Because <laughs> um, yeah, I think like the biggest thing is just enjoying the ride. That's it. Well. No, I, it is. And look, I, I stand by that. I think it's an important thing for everyone to try and enjoy it. But for my own coping mechanism, really, is not thinking about what mm -hmm. lies ahead too far. It's like, okay, let's get this done. Let's get that done. And, you know, I will worry about what happens after Leeds, after Leeds, until then, yeah. Leeds. But I agree, it is it is going to be uh, an absolutely massive game. It is, you know, potentially, it could be a, a title decider um, by the time that that game comes around, you know. Um, the right result for Arsenal could could be the, the difference between winning it or not. And, uh, you know, we've talked about psychological barriers. We've talked about overcoming... Um, teams and circumstances which in the past have been troublesome for us. Uh, Manchester City is another one of those that I hope we've got in our locker this season, but uh, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll figure it down the line. Okay, let's do one more before we go from TK Samuels, who says, um, with Mesut Ozil announcing his retirement, what are some of your favourite Mesut Ozil moments at Arsenal? Yeah, so I like anyone would have a few. Um, I remember his uh, last few, I guess, games um, in the 1920 season. It wasn't his best time at Arsenal, but honestly, some of those games were outstanding and I was privileged to see them in the flesh. So Liverpool away in the Carabao Cup, uh, Chelsea at home, Arteta's first home game in charge mm. and Man United at home. Um, Arteta's first win in charge he was unplayable um, going I guess further back I guess for me what just stands out is I was a teenager when he came um, so I was I guess starting to understand football in a different way to just having the joy as a kid mm -hmm. would and uh, tickets were cheap because I was a junior gunner um, <laughs> tickets were available because Arsenal weren't in a title challenge and um, he just was um, the star man he was the show and he did things that made you uh, squeal <laughs> he he um, 
was someone who did the unpredictable so often, but was right in what he was doing so often as well. Mm. And um, I'm just glad that I was able to witness him in the flesh because there are moments that not even talking about his goals or his assists, but just the way he moved as well. Uh, you just knew you were watching someone special. Um, and people often forget he was almost six foot tall because of how he moved. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, again, I, I know I didn't write really pinpoint proper moments, but you know, there are feelings that yeah. they're, they're yeah. the feelings that you have. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I mean, you go back to the, uh, even to the arrival and what the arrival of someone like him from Real Madrid at that period after the, the sort of the transfer situation that Arsenal have been in down the years to sort of smash the record and the, the, mm. the celebrations, uh, people dancing around the stadium and all those kinds of things. I mean, I think, you know, there's too many of the passes, too many of the, the goals. I love the goal he scored against Napoli where he just sort of controlled yeah. it uh, in the Champions League. And I think the fact that he, he sort of perfected his own kind of finish <laughs> that nobody else had really done before, this sort of chopping the ball into the ground and over the goalkeeper, um, you know that that was perfected during his uh, during his time at Arsenal. Of course, Emmanuel Adibayor retired as well this week. Um, any favourite moments? Oh yeah. Well, to, no. To be fair, like I, I don't hate players as much as most fans do when they leave, and I know I'm I'm probably in the minority um, with that. Mm-hmm. But for me, uh, if we're talking about Adibayor. It'd probably be his goal against Spurs. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say, he yeah. flicks it up and follows it because, honestly, that is the most ridiculous finish I think I've ever seen. Mm. Just in terms of the first touch, being able to get it across, um, yeah. So, and again, because that was um, the oh seven oh eight season was just one. I was. I'm not gonna say my age because people would just like <laughs> kill me for it. Um, like, I'll just one die, of my I'll die right in front of you. <laughs> yeah, it was one of my formative years watching Arsenal and um, it was just a kind of eye-opening season. So I'll always be grateful for him and the players around that time for that. Um, and yeah, um, I, I don't <laughs> I don't have a burning hatred for him That's anymore. Right. That's fair enough. Uh, life is too short for all that kind of hatred, I guess. Uh, I do think that goal against Spurs was ridiculous. I remember him scoring a, an amazing goal against Derby County as well, maybe in one game. Um, but He scored know, two hat-tricks against them that season. Right. Well, there you go. I mean, look, he was... Um, he was a, a guy who came with a reasonable reputation, left as like a, a really, really top-class striker, but afterwards made some <laughs> unfortunate decisions, uh, we shall say, about where he played his football. But uh, live and let live, as you say. Uh, Art, we'll leave it there as always. Thank you very much indeed uh, for taking the time. Cheers for having me. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. (laughs) 
Thank you very much indeed to Art. You can find him on Twitter. He is at Art Deroche, at Art Deroche. He also writes about Arsenal for The Athletic. And if you want to follow any of his video game streams, just check out his Twitter feed. He often posts the links there. So if that's your bag, check out Art in all of those places. Right. I'm going to leave it there for this week's show. Thank you very much indeed for being here. We will, of course, have an Arscast Extra for you on Monday. There has been some good Good stuff over on Patreon this week. We have an episode of Waffle, the podcast in which James and I answer questions about anything and everything except Arsenal. That is there for you to listen to right now. Hopefully, we'll have some more stuff for you next week as well before we get into the nuts and bolts of preparing ourselves for the run-in. For now, have yourselves a great weekend. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. Where are the players? 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 Where are the players? 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 Excuse, players? Excuse, players? Excuse, where are the players? 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 Where are the players? Thank you very much.